0: Welcome to the podcast of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jim Cole, and I'm proud to be the 96th president of Las Vegas Rotary. Las Vegas Rotary's main focus is on youth, specifically youth literacy and life skill development. If you're in town, we invite you to join us at the Lowry's Prime Rib at noon on Thursdays. You can also find more information about our meetings on lasvegasrotary.com. If you're unable to join us, we live stream our meetings on Facebook at noon Pacific time Thursdays. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, thank you, uh, President Jackie. I am uh, so happy Marty can join us here today. Uh, I ran into him for the first time uh, at an event, and I learned that uh, he had some involvement in the uh, uh, National Defense Industry Association. And subsequently, I I found out that uh, he has many more uh, attributes that I think are of interest to this club Uh, To me personally, uh, we both share a credential from Northeastern University in Boston, so I I know he's a good guy. But uh, (laughs) when I I read his bio, uh, I was so impressed uh, with not just the 42 years of experience in the DOD and the Navy, uh, but in all the activities he's taken on here, uh, which are all basically focused on economic development here in, in Las Vegas Valley. And uh, since 2008, uh, we know how important it is to kind of diversify the economy. Uh, You can see his bio uh, right here. uh, And uh, he's wearing these incredible large number of hats. And I I figured that's a bit of a burden. So uh, I made up one hat for him uh, that's got it all on there. And uh, let me use that by way of uh, introducing some of his responsibilities. Uh, With respect to the National Defense Industry Association, he's the Southern Nevada Chapter President. Uh, With respect to the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronomics, he's the Las Vegas Valley Chair for the Los Angeles and Las Vegas section. He is the co-founder of the Endeavor Institute and uh, Business Development and Intellectual Property Director for Space Systems, uh, labor- Space Information Laboratories, SIL. And le- not least, uh, he is the project lead for the Las Vegas Spaceport, which is going to be uh, one of the, uh, the topics, uh, perhaps of many that will he'll, he'll speak to us today. So I'm just very pleased to have Marty here and please welcome him to our club.
1: Wow, Stu. Do I wear that? Yes, please. It's for you perfectly. So. Anyone have a camera? Yeah. <laughs> huh. Okay. Ah I wasn't counting on this, so the presentation will only get better from here. Thanks. Well, it might fall off, so I'll keep it nearby. So, a little introduction. Um, I have to do all these things because Las Vegas is the way LA was around 1950 and 60. We're at a very beginning stage here and there's a lot of opportunity for the aerospace industry. You all probably seen uh, the early days, like Burbank and and all that that went on. SR 71 development, Southern California was a home to the Apollo and um, space shuttle and many other uh, developments. And similarly, um, we can we will do things of the future here. Um, don't want to get a little too far ahead of myself, but we already have Bigelow Aerospace here, and they're the future of space habitats. And I'll be getting into that, so we, we do have some uh, very important. So but before I officially begin, <clears throat> I always have to read the temperature of my audience and adjust my presentation uh, correspondingly. So now be honest here. Raise your hand if anyone, and don't feel bad, your monk friends, if you think the moon landings were faked now, don't make fun of them. There are people. Yeah, okay. And does anybody believe that the world is flat? I don't. Uh, did I see a hand? No. <laughs> Good. So I think you'll enjoy my presentation here. We'll all be rocket scientists in the next about 25 minutes. So I have um, a few major topics here. This first presentation is Las Vegas Spaceport. Then we're going to get into what the National Defense Industrial Association is doing. And AFWorks. has anyone heard of AFWorks? Okay, got a couple. They're right down the street here. It's the center of innovation for the entire U.S. Air Force. And it's just right down the street. See me afterwards if you'd like a tour. Um, It's incredible. 15,000 square feet of space upstairs, collaboration area. They're solving major problems for the Air Force. One big one I'll be getting into in uh, slide the next presentation.
0: And the last
1: uh, topic is gonna be on the actual advent of small self-contained nuclear reactors. A topic I didn't even know about six months ago and I got connected into that through the National Defense Industrial Association and now we're going to revolutionize First Creech Air Force Base so it can have its own small self-contained nuclear reactor in case the grid goes down. And But that's all I'll say right now. We'll get into it more. So the first slide here, just uh, back to the good old spaceport. This is, as Stu mentioned, it's all about economic development for our area. And... Also keeping in mind we're like the 1950s and 60s, uh, what L.A. was like. So this is a key into the uh, doorway to bring Las Vegas to the forefront of aerospace. Left button. Ah. Okay, so just to give you a little bit of background we Have an anniversary coming up on May 7th, 2020, It'll be the 100-year anniversary of the first airplane ever landing in Las Vegas. The pilot was Randall Henderson. Is there a city around here that some people live in with that name? If you didn't know where the name came from, now you do. It was in honor of the first person to land an airplane in Las Vegas. Again, May 7th, 1920. This is a natural date to commemorate the dedication of the Las Vegas spaceport, but we need your help. We'll get into that soon. So who are we working with with this? Basically, if you remember about probably about four or five years ago, Nevada won a nationwide competition and was selected to be one of the six states in the country for drone testing. Do do you remember that? Familiar? And since then there's been a lot of iterations to that and now the Nevada Institute of Autonomous Systems, which is located at the Innovation Center. You familiar where that is? Like at 215 in Decatur. Uh, Switch owns it. They graciously let people meet there, and I've had many meetings over there. Um, That's where NIAS, Nevada Institute of Autonomous Systems, is located now. They're the modern day manifestation of that uh, uh, choosing of Nevada to be one of the six test states. So the people that made that happen, there's a nice handful of them. Uh, One of the main people is a guy named Steve Curtis. Does anyone know Steve Curtis? Okay. So anyway, Steve and I uh, got to be really good friends. He was holding forums right after um, Nevada was selected and like 60, 70 people would show up once a month for an interesting topic over at Desert Research Institute right next to the Atomic Testing Museum. So this is when people started coming out of the woodwork for the beginning of technology and aerospace for Las Vegas. This was the first really, uh, whatever, point to to coalesce around. And those people are the ones that have now got behind this project with the Spaceport and uh, the small nuclear reactor project for Creech, the forming of the NDIA. So, you know, I don't wear the hat alone. A lot of people built the hat, so, including Stu. He. Uh, So that's what we call ourselves for this, the Nevada Aerospace Coalition. I don't know if they had a similar name in Southern California in the 50s for what they were envisioning, but uh, again, same thing. So what is this thing, how do we become a spaceport? You need something to take off or land here to be a spaceport. Now we're not gonna be launching any rockets from here. Um, Actually, north of Las Vegas there are a couple of rocket sites, but they're not large rockets. But what we can do is get a landing license to land objects back from space, and that's called a spaceport landing license. And this is what we're talking about. You need 10,000-foot runway, and we have two at McCarran and two at Nois that can handle this vehicle. And this vehicle is called the Dream Chaser, and it's built by a company called Sierra Nevada. How perfect is that? The company is headquartered up in Sparks, Nevada. Major aerospace contractor. They build lots of satellites. Been in the aerospace industry for quite a while. And they're building this, it's like a small version of the space shuttle. And it can carry a crew of up to seven, just like the space shuttle. That was the maximum crew load they had. Uh, cargo bay is about one fifth the size and weight it can carry uh, for satellites. But uh, the whole point is it's quickly reusable. And they have a contract to fly uh, missions to the space station here. uh, So they finished their qualification testing at Edwards Air Force Base. This is gonna be ready to launch. It's gonna be launched in an uncrewed configuration. Um, So basically a uh, drone or robot in space to go up, do that mission and uh, bring cargo up to the space station and then it'll land back at Kennedy Space Center. It might land at Edwards for the first few landings the same way the space shuttle did to prove out its systems. But uh, eventually the point is you launch it on top of a rocket. It comes back, lands, tow it off the runway, and you get it ready for its next mission quickly. Oh, and by the way, so a little artist depiction, this is a nice typical airport. One city that's having the supervision to make this happen is Huntsville, Alabama, and they're in phase two of getting their license granted, and their city is just full forward um, vision, and the cost is very small for us. We're looking maybe $2 million total to become a spaceport because we have all the infrastructure here. So what happens, let's go fast forward. We don't even have to land one of these things here for a long time but immediately upon the certification of us as a spaceport that we have this capability, we meet all the requirements, quote all the airplanes, and I'm not gonna put it in quotes, most airline crews will probably wanna make a big deal out of the fact that they're taking their uh, passengers who have been looking forward to their Las Vegas vacations, the place where we all mostly live, they're taking them to Las Vegas, and they're gonna land at the Las Vegas spaceport. Could probably sell a few more drinks on the airplane. Has anyone ever flown into Las Vegas? It's a little different landing here and going to m- than most cities, right? There is kind of a party atmosphere, I'd say, on about 70% of the flights. It's not like flying into somewhere in Nebraska in the winter or whatever. People look forward to coming here. So this is something, initially, the first thing is it's a fun thing. Look what they did with the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Just a little phrase. So you brand Las Vegas with the word spaceport after it, you're putting across that fun image. But kind of more importantly to me, because I don't party, I'm one of the most boring people in Las Vegas, is that it plants the subliminal seed in every traveler's head that, Spaceport, what, what do we mean Las Vegas Spaceport? You can't help escaping, it's like that pink, You know, don't imagine an elephant or something. It's like you can't escape thinking Las Vegas Spaceport, well this must mean something. they are gonna know it's like a fun thing, a technical subliminal seed in most, if not all travelers' minds. So this is something, if we're gonna seed the concept and take it from the 1950s and 60s of LA into the 70s, 80s, 90s and start manifesting technical companies here, you have to have some draw where people think that this is the place to go to. And this is the free advertising, totally free. I don't think we would need a budget for this. This will be word of mouth. And then also what it does, is the certification of a spaceport, all the airspace, it's up into the Office of Commercial Space in DC a number of times meeting with them, they're really pulling for us, they wanna see this happen here. Uh, it's a whole process, the Office of Commercial Space, they work with you, it's it's the, the airspace, and as you probably know, and probably an air traffic controller, um, we have a lot of crossing traffic here that's going to other destinations. But this is kind of their problem, so to speak. This will be accommodated. This will be in the system. Nothing's going to happen until all these things are figured out. And Sierra Nevada is working with the FAA for certifying the vehicle. And the FAA is involved in all the airspace wherever this would land. So anyway, so just picture when you're coming back to land somewhere, you're coming in from 25 times the speed of sound or about 17,500 miles an hour. So the airspace is gonna be certified for vehicles coming in. Of course, they're not gonna be going that fast as they come down lower. However, the deceleration and coming into the terminal area, uh, coming in with a vehicle of the future supersonic small jet transport is very real. There's companies working on this now. There is a business case for it. For them to come in, the sonic booms, whatever you deal with, this would be enveloped within the spaceport certification. So a Mach 2 or Mach 3 or 4 or whatever, even hypersonic vehicles of the future coming in through the airspace, that's like two, three, four, five, six, seven times the speed of sound is slow compared to something coming in 25 times the speed of sound. So we're enveloped within that. And this, the changes uh, would be minor to accommodate those vehicles. So it opens up the door for future super high rollers to come to Las Vegas. If you come in just in your own 600 mile an hour business jet, that's kind of old technology. So uh, the really rich people will come in, they'll get here from Japan in an hour and 10 minutes, or maybe an hour and 11 minutes. We'll be ready for them. Uh, A little bit about, there's a lot going, again, there's a lot going on here in Las Vegas for aerospace but we just don't know about it and it's under the radar still, it's kind of quiet. It's like the Lockheed Skunk Works, only this is the Las Vegas silent works of aerospace. Just to hit on some highlights of what's going on, there's the uncrewed Dream Chaser vehicle which will fly to the space station shortly. Sierra Nevada Corporation, Nevada company. I keep trying to tell the Alabama people it's not called Sierra Alabama, it's Sierra Nevada. So we need to do this here. Next, uh, SWITCH. You're all probably familiar with SWITCH, uh, world's leading data center. They chose Las Vegas as their first location. We have a really fortunate situation here. It's the safest place pretty much in the country or world from natural disasters. We don't get flooding and hurricanes and tornadoes. They said their biggest risk is a meteor or asteroid hitting it, in which case we're maybe all in trouble. So this is where a whole lot of data is hosted from, military, eBay, all kind of stuff. Next we have Creech Air Force Base where the drones are flown from, and our wars probably 70% of the drone control comes from people like you and I that live in Las Vegas. They go to work, they fly something on the other side of the world, they kill all the bad people, then they come home to their family at night. This is in Las Vegas. And then last of all, Bigelow Aerospace, the inflatable modules. This is a concept of the future for habitats. Robert Bigelow's got his start in hotel industry and he's kind of graduated into hotels in space kind of thing, but also these are the habitats that people live in in Earth orbit, moon, and Mars. And there's really no competition for what he's doing yet. It's basically a balloon. uh, Collapses down about one-fifth its size, Fits. You can fit many of these in a rocket, so you can get a lot of volume up into space very efficiently. Right here, coming from Las Vegas. Okay, so assuming we get McCarran International Air and Spaceport, Nellis Air Force Base and Spaceport, like why have it here? Yeah, it's a good thing for tourists. Uh, yeah, it's a good idea for bringing in high-tech industry, but what kind of industries are there to bring into here. One huge one, is the oxymoron statement, Um, it's, you know, you've heard the phrase jumbo shrimp. So this is like that. This is a huge industry called small satellites. And what it is is the large rockets launching the large satellites, about 70% of those large satellites, like half the size of this room, or maybe a third don't have to be large satellites anymore. Large satellites from drawing board to orbit is about a 20 year, 15, a 20 year journey. If it fails on launch, you've lost all that effort, you've lost a national capability or a large commercial one that people aren't happy to lose. So what happens is now with the technology which shows up every day like in our cell phones and computers and projectors and all this, the capability to shrink down what a large satellite does into its many disciplines. A large satellite isn't just one thing. It's probably 20 or 30 different things. You fragment each of those capabilities into a single small satellite which goes from drawing board to orbit. You can do it within a month or two if you need to, not 20 years. Cost is tiny. You lose it going up to orbit. You probably built another one because they're so cheap. So you can even launch these off the wing of an airplane. So the small satellite industry doesn't have a home yet. And I'm deeply involved with this industry with my company, seeing a whole lot of what goes on. It's still kind of in the universities and people's garages, although there are some companies starting to get into it now. The big companies, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and so forth, they're smart to started to buy up these small guys from the garages because they see the writing on the wall how large satellites are gonna become many small satellites. About 70%, you'll still need about 30% large satellites because you have things like huge mirrors that you can't turn into small satellites. So th- there are gonna be large satellites required, so but only about 30% of what we have now. This would be a perfect industry to bring to Las Vegas. I would love to have our company set up shop here and start building these in Las Vegas. It'd be the McDonald's of small satellites. That's what's coming. So yes, to be consistent with everything I said, Las Vegas is about to get more amazing than ever. So um, couldn't end it any other way. And this shows you a little, if you can see it, this is about the size of the Dream Chaser compared to the space shuttle orbiter. Another thing quick, uh, biotech industry here is taking hold. So this would be a thing, there's a lot of experiments on the space station, as soon as the vehicle, whatever it was, space shuttle, or if it's a Russian Soyuz that comes back, they immediately offload those things and get them into the laboratory. Here in Las Vegas with our biotech industry, you land it and it would be in the laboratory within 20 minutes, a half hour. So this is another thing we could do right here that complements something that Las Vegas is developing. So that's that one, and thank you, Stu. How much time do I have left? Two minutes, 10? Too much time. Well, we'll leave nine minutes for questions. (coughs) Maybe eight minutes. Okay. So this is the next cool thing. Afworks, which I mentioned before. So everyone's probably wondering what's that stand for. I really don't know except AF is Air Force, and probably the WER is related to like kind of work and figuring things out. But anyway, that's the name of it. It has a history, Defense Works and Softworks, other, um, DoD operations similar to this, like Special Forces has the one called SoftWorks. Um, DefenseWorks is general DOD requirements, but the Air Force chose this. Like I mentioned, Las Vegas is the home for nationwide Air Force innovation. Give you a quick little example what they've done so far. They run these uh, like competitions where people come here and what their ideas are. Um, I heard this one, I wasn't involved in it because it's kind of outside my industry, that the um, refueling boom operators in the KC-135, which is like the 707, those guys were like uncomfortable laying on their stomachs all the time, their backs are hurting. So they had this challenge to see who's out there to make it more comfortable for them. And I'm just gonna make this up, I, I, I don't know the details, but like someone like a chiropractor probably showed up and won that competition and he figured out I'm making all this up, but this is, I'm just trying to put across the idea. He, he quote, made up a device where he realized, okay, if the person is just pitched up three degrees or something like that, then they can lay on their stomach for five more hours and not be uncomfortable. So that was solved, but that, I'm just trying to describe the mechanism of what they do to solve immediate problems, to make a difference, to improve military operations. That's the purpose of it. They just had, so to kind of, go into a whole other realm, the military, this is like Star Wars and beyond, military is uh, presently still very compartmentalized. You have an airplane and it can maybe only talk to a few other airplanes or a ship or it's like everyone has, not everyone, generalizing, but has their own data links with their own protocols and And the ability to interconnect and for everybody to talk to everybody, especially across services, it's kind of a rough road. So the whole idea here, just the big picture to come away from, is what they're talking about is multi-domain operations, which means that all different things will be interoperable. So like a submarine will be able to talk to, I'm making things up again, but can talk to an airplane, who can talk to a satellite, who can talk, and they all have the same protocol, and even the submarine can implement a mission that traditionally a surface ship would've, or an airplane would've. Um, So the big picture again, it's like, everybody can do everything, that's the big picture of this. So this is a huge thing, and this takes us beyond Star Wars, but if Star Wars is gonna come true, you need to have the interoperability so this alien can talk to that alien and all that. So this is a challenge they just had. I was there for two days, it was fantastic. I met people from all around the United States came here, mostly from small companies, a few from large companies that have kind of a skunk works uh, where they they tackle these kind of problems. They came here to Las Vegas right down the street and participated in this, there were 101 of us there and it was terrific and it's going forward and not only is Las Vegas gonna be that center point of innovation for the Air Force, we, we were kinda like the group of this country's founders in 1776 in that room and to map out the future for multi-domain operations right here down the street. So another thing, Las Vegas on the map for the future. And this is an event, come see me. We're having a follow-on event to this with the National Defense Industrial Association on the 25th, which is I think next Wednesday or Thursday. It's today, 19th, Uh, six days from now. Wednesday, next Wednesday, I believe. Um, And it's gonna be held at AFWERX, actually. So if you wanna learn about this, we're having the uh, leadership from Nellis Air Force Base, because Nellis is a big piece of this whole command and control. You can see this nice little picture here of everybody talking to everybody. There, She is going to be here and doing this presentation on this. So this will get two things. You'll get a great understanding of this and you'll get to see AFWERX. This is our technical future here in Las Vegas. Okay, and. Something that's taking like 90% of my time lately, but I'm very happy to do it, is this concept about small self-contained nuclear reactors. So picture during a war, like if we're gonna operate in some faraway place or even at the South Pole or whatever, you need power. Solar power won't do it. Not energy dense enough. That'd be like uh, trying to, run our car with a steam engine opposed to a gasoline engine. It's like, it's not energy dense enough. Nuclear has this whole new thing where a small reactor that can fit on a small trailer truck, 20, 40 feet long, depending on the amount of megawatts you need, a small self-contained nuclear reactor. France, by the way, is full leadership on this. They're doing this. The United States is just starting to move forward. So who has a need for this? Creech Air Force Base has the nation's leading need because we're so dependent on drones right now. Not only would all our fuel go bad and we might not be able to drive anywhere because we can't pump any gas, but anyway, when we're most vulnerable, aside from all that, they wouldn't be able to fly their drones because they will run out of diesel fuel and they won't be able to sustain operations. You'll have all these drones sitting on the other side of the world where maybe things are going bad for us and we won't be able to command and control them because our people can't get to work here and because they can't power their equipment to then talk to the drones through the satellite or RPA, Remote Piloted Aircraft, the Air Force calls them. So to get Creech on its own small self-contained nuclear reactor is number one priority in the Air Force. And with our again this this group of people, and uh, specifically through the NDIA National Defense Industrial Association, we're putting together a program to make this happen. We just had a meeting two days ago, which was fantastic. The Army's involved with us now, and there's a path forward for this. And there's a small the first official uh, request for information and proposals coming out to have Department of Energy build a small self-contained nuclear reactor from companies, there's a number of them in the U.S. that can do it that are interested by 2023 and then we're, our whole program now is going to have that tested up at what used to be the test site but now it's NNSS, National Security Site, test it and then we'll wire it into Crete so they get backup power from that. And then the testing on that initial reactor will enable production reactors to then be built from the lessons learned from that. So and then that's going to be multiplied throughout, of course, other military installations. Cyber Command is probably right up there with Creech. Like if Cyber Command goes down, like the military isn't protected from cyber threats. They're in um, Fort Meade, Maryland. So the military is going to want to really replicate these things and the Army, wants even smaller versions, maybe something the size of this table or a little bigger that can power an Army deployed area in the middle of nowhere. You fly it in on an airplane so you don't have the trucks and the fuel convoys where they like to, two minutes, um, hurt people. So this is a big thing and again coming from Las Vegas. I think it's my last slide. All right. Yes, and we have one and a half minutes for questions.
0: Okay, I've got the microphone here, Mr. Hunt. Smaldon, thank you very much for it. this most, one of the most informative presentations I've seen in a long time. Very exciting. Brought my son to see the last space shuttle in Denver launch at night in Florida. My question is, with them, them landing here, why aren't we typically we used to see where they launch, they land unless it's bad weather? Why are we seeing the different locations of landings, and where will they be mostly launching from? Ch- stream chaser.
1: Okay, so Dream Chaser launches vertically on top of a rocket, like uh, Atlas or SpaceX might do it, or um, French rocket. So you need a large launch pad. But also, this is, again, everything's um, growing in capability. Um, I don't know if you saw the video this past Saturday, strata launch. Uh, the world's largest airplane took off from Mojave. This is to launch probably about a... Uh, 15,000 pound class payload off of an airplane uh, with the, the rocket attached to it and it's hung on the airplane. So that's where the airplane is the mobile launch pad. So perhaps in the future that would take off from here but you need, I'm not sure what, but anyway for now it's on vertical rockets so you need to launch from a fixed vertical site until the future brings forward. Virgin Galactic, similar thing only they're smaller, launches off the White Knight. Um, But again, they're they're for the present time operating out of Spaceport America in southern New Mexico where they built like a many million dollar complex and haven't used it yet. So but again, where would you rather uh, stay before you travel into space? Las Vegas or the middle of the desert? So I think we could be a contender for that. Does that answer your question? Uh, Thank you very much for uh, this informative presentation. Uh, I myself did not know We have all this in Las Vegas.
0: Uh, one (laughs) One thing I want to ask you is that how do you share all this information to the
1: younger generation? Do you go to schools or universities and talk to them and say, we have all this happening right here, you can make use of them. Is there a program that you get involved in? Yeah, we're very involved in STEM with the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics, NDIA. And you mentioned Katie Decker. I don't see, she probably would have come up here and said hello. I've worked with Katie a lot in the past, and as you know, Katie is very uh, innovative with all this stuff. So absolutely, yeah. So if you have more ideas and connections, I'd be glad to have them. Thank you
2: very much. Hold on a second. Thank you very much, Marty. I'd like to offer you the Share What You Can Award, which means we will be donating a meal in your name to a homeless veteran. Thank you very much. Marty will stay after a little bit to answer some questions. As we leave here today, let us go forth into the world in peace, be of good courage, hold fast to that which is good, render to no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all persons, love and serve each other, rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary, be people of action, and be the inspiration meeting adjourned.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast of our latest meeting. If you'd like to know more about our projects or are interested in membership in the club, please visit us at lasvegasrotary.com. Now go forth and be the inspiration.